1: Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast from NBC Sports Edge. This is our weekly MLB Power Rankings show where we'll break down my weekly MLB Power Rankings that go up on NBC Sports Edge every Tuesday. I'm Drew Silva. Joining me here and every week throughout the regular season is Janice Scurio. Welcome in, Janice. I wanted to ask you at the top, just following your like Twitter feed, you were in Seattle over the weekend or like at T-Mobile Park checking out some Mariners games?
2: Yeah, that's right. Uh, so yeah, T-Mobile park, excellent park. It was my first time there. Uh, I got a picture with, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Felix, uh, 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 Funko pop. I was just trying to thinking like he, he's, he's got his crown with his name on it. he's got like this big, um, this big King, like uh, Cape around his neck. Uh, I, I got super excited. Uh, But yeah,
1: (laughs) that was the highlight of the the trip.
2: Highlight. Nothing else happened. I went home right afterwards. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was a good game. Uh, They played the Rangers. uh, Saw a Kyle Lewis home run. Um, What else? Uh, Justice Sheffield pitched pitched a pretty decent game. Um, Who else? Keenan Middleton pitched. Trying to remember what else happened, uh, but yeah, yeah. Other than that, um, yeah. Other than some some successful uh, shopping trips, I came home with an Ichiro Funko Pop, uh, so pretty excited about that.
1: But I've never, yeah, I've never been up to the Pacific Northwest. I've always wanted to go to that ballpark and just Seattle in general, um, and just eat seafood mainly.
2: Yeah, that that's what I did. Um, I didn't eat too much seafood. I just uh, I definitely limited my seafood intake. Yeah. Um, I, I ate a lot of baseball, though. That That's, that's what I did.
1: Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well.
3: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour. What's your uh, favorite park non-White Sox edition?
2: Hmm, yeah, I'd yeah. probably say Petco. Uh, I, I just really liked uh, just... Uh, the ambiance, the environment, uh, the $17 beer I had was
1: really good. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much any park, uh, especially in San Diego, but yeah, I haven't been there either. I I'm, was trying to think of mine. I guess Wrigley would be up there. Um, Fenway was cool. I think Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City is kind of underrated. Uh, that's a really well-designed park for when it was built in like the 60s. It's just it's smaller, but it's got like this huge grandstand with that is very steep. It, it, the sight lines are amazing. Um, I also kind of – I like when stadiums are downtown, but it's also kind of cool the way the Royals are set up, like right next to the Chiefs, and it's just lot parking lot upon parking lot and tailgating. Um, so that it's kind of a different experience, but I've always enjoyed my time at the Royal Stadium. Um, anyway, that's, I guess, I guess we, we should to visit. Yeah, yeah, you should. Bush stadium's cool. It's fine. It's, it's kind of like at any of those parks that were built in the mid two thousands know, the mid 2000 before, what do we call that decade? The mid aughts um, like around 2005 and any ballpark built in that, like the Philly stadium, I think is pretty similar. They all kind of took off Camden yards and and tried to do like the retro modern thing. So some of those stadiums, it'll take time for them to build some character, but by the time that happens, they'll be asking for another ballpark. Anyway, <laughs> um, we should get to the show. Uh, I usually start by asking what one, one thing is that you're looking forward to this week. I can't talk. We are recording this early Tuesday morning, by the way. Uh, took Memorial Day off, and there were so many games that I didn't really have time to, to make progress on the column. But it'll be up late, late morning, early afternoon on Tuesday. Anyway what's the one thing you're looking forward to?
2: (laughs) Yeah, the one thing I'm looking forward to this week is actually a series. Uh, So uh, the Mets are going to be taking on the Padres starting on Thursday. Uh, Both teams are in first place. And not to spoil your rankings, Drew, uh, but I was kind of shocked not to see the Mets on there. I feel as if they had a really fantastic May. Uh, 17-9. and So they've been in first place for 23 consecutive days. Uh, Jacob deGrom uh, cruised through uh, six innings, struck striking out eight, walking none. Pete Alonso also had a really good game. Uh, so, so it's really great to see him back in the lineup. So uh, yeah, the Mets uh, have won five in a row. So uh, really excited to kind of see how well uh, they do against uh, the Padres, another another re- uh, surging team. Uh, but yeah, enough spoilers for your rankings though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have a note on the Mets that we'll get into. It's, it's for podcast listeners only. Um, Anyway, yeah, before we continue, here's a special offer for our listeners. Use promo code SAVE10 for 10% off any premium subscription for NBC Sports Edge Plus. It can be either monthly or annual for any tier. Not only do you get access to the baseball season tools, but your subscription also covers NBA, NHL, and NFL content. It's great value and can help you if you play just baseball or if you have your hand in all sports. So remember, it's promo code SAVE10. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash premium to get started. Also, the app is back. Don't forget to download the NBC Sports Edge app to receive real-time player news, mobile alerts, and track your favorite players. Plus, you can now check out articles and player cards on there. Uh, Go to the Apple App Store, Google Play, wherever you get your apps to download that today. All right, let's get to the rankings. Uh, We'll hit on all the teams in the top five and then discuss the three biggest risers and three biggest fallers from last week to this week. If you want rankings and observations on all 30 teams, look for the column every Tuesday at NBC Sports Edge. It usually goes up late morning, early afternoon, depending on how long it takes me to write it. All right, let's do this.
2: The top five. All right, so at number one, uh, so not a shocker at all, uh, but uh, yeah, they had an 11-game win streak this May. Uh, you've got the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, so they've got uh, just a really dominant streak on the road. Uh, every Everyone seems to be performing well. Uh, but, yeah, they put together a 22-6 record to close out May. So I, I've got a lot of intel on May stats just because that was the focus of my week that was column, just kind of wrapping up the May of, you know, prominent players, prominent teams. Uh, but, yeah, that 22-6 record marks the best record in the majors, a uh, four of the month. It's also the highest win total for any calendar month in franchise history. So uh, yeah, Tampa Bay outscored uh, its opponents 119 to 54 in that 28 game span uh, and also a plus 65 run differential. So Drew, how about those Rays?
1: Yeah, you're, you're going to take all my notes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It is true that it easy, it's easier to write about baseball like at the end of the month because I don't know, you, you get like a something to look at like a, a it's a small sample size of course but it's like something to to I don't put into context it's something that you can like put into context and, and make determinations about players and teams and you're right the Rays 22 and 6 in May the win- winningest month in franchise history Um and I'm pretty sure I had them 10th in my preseason rankings after they mostly subtracted instead of added over the winter but the Rays' magic continues to be a thing here in 2021, and we haven't seen Wander Franco or Vidal Bruhan yet, a couple of top position player prospects. Um, I was looking up what they were doing at A. Durham. Franco so far, 851 OPS, four home runs, 18 RBIs, three stolen bases, 18 runs scored in 22 games at A. Brujan also at Durham, 315 average, 992 OPS, seven homers, nine steals in 22 games. So they might even get a whole lot more dangerous soon. Um, I, I don't know. Ray's magic, it, 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 it vaulted them to the number one spot in these power rankings this week. <laughs>
2: All right, so at number two, not falling too far, uh, you have the San Diego Padres. Last week, they were number one. So, uh, yeah, Fernando Tatis Jr. over his last 13 games, hitting 435 with eight home runs, 25 RBI, and 17 runs. I feel as if he's always making an appearance in my column, Uh, so basically evergreen. I just feel as if I should have a special section for just what Tatis does.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the Padres have lost two in a row as we talk here on Tuesday morning. Um, so, and so if they lose Tuesday night against the Cubs, that would match their longest losing streak of the season. But yeah, that, that longest losing streak is only three games, so they're in pretty good shape. Hold the very best run differential in the majors right now at, at plus 81. Um, there has to be at least some concern about Blake Snell, though. Uh, he got shelled for seven runs in just three innings Sunday in Houston a 5.55 ERA on the year, and, and has worked in the, to the sixth inning only once. Um, Chris Paddock, too, he started Monday against the Cubs, allowed five earned runs over four and a third innings, the ERA jumping up to 4.24 after Paddock had a really nice stretch that covered most of May. Uh, but these are minor issues. Like, again, a, a, even a three-game losing streak is not – not bad. Uh, the Padres have weathered a bunch of storms this year, and they'll probably continue to be able to weather certain things because of the improved depth. You know, like, that's what you get when you actually add over the offseason and pay attention to the holes at the top, but also at the bottom of the depth chart. Look at the Mets. I mean, their list of injuries and frustrations is longer than anyone, but they're in first place in the NL East and have won, yeah, five in a row. Um, or, yeah, five in a row as we talk here on Tuesday morning. Um anyway, I had to get a Mets nod in there, like I said, because I didn't get them much of a bump this week. And I'm sure people are going to be mad at me for that. I, I mentioned them on the podcast, so it's for podcast listeners only. But I'll have some good Jacob deGrom nuggets in the column, too. So look for that. They did jump up one spot, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm willing to give them another bump. I, I had them in the top five earlier this year, so I'm, I'm not apologizing to Mets fans.
2: <laughs> Never apologize. All right. So, at number three, last week they were at number six. Uh, you've got the Chicago White Sox, my Chicago White Sox, of course. So, thank you. Thank you, Drew. Uh, so, one player I really want to talk about is Carlos Redon. So, uh, as everyone knows, he was assigned to a one year deal uh, after being non tendered. Uh, but yeah, he certainly uh, revamped just his whole approach. Uh, his slider has been unhittable this season. So, opposing hitters are one for 52 with 37 strikeouts against that particular pitch. Uh, So uh, to see the back end of the rotation really come together for the White Sox is really fantastic. Uh, Lucas Giolito has also found his slider, too. Uh, So uh, pitching coach Ethan Katz working his magic there. Uh, Another player I I think is um, really contributing well is Jose Abreu. So going into Sunday, he's batting 365. uh, So he's got five doubles, one triple, six home runs. I didn't update it for yesterday. uh, But, yeah, 15 runs scored over his last 21 games uh, as of Sunday. So, uh, yeah, um, how about those White Sox?
1: Yeah, Abreu got his 46th RBI uh, in one half of the doubleheader against the the Indians on Monday, Memorial Day. That's nice having 14 innings of, of baseball to watch on Memorial Day. That's kind of a gift. I, I like that seven-inning doubleheader experience. As, at least as a viewer, if I were at the game, I'd, I don't think I would enjoy it as much. I like to relax, and I pray for four-hour games when I'm attending. But um, just sitting at, as, as a viewer at home, like, it's kind of awesome because it's heightened pressure um, on every pitch, every out. And, and then you get, like – even if you lose the first one, you're like, Oh, we'll get them in the next one. So I, I don't know. I, I, I hope that baseball doesn't make it a permanent, those things a permanent part of the game, but I also wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me as much as like the, the runner on second and extra innings <laughs> um,
2: of all the revamped rules. I feel as if the seven inning doubleheader is probably the most tolerable yeah. uh, with the runner on second being the least. So yeah. I'm, I'm right with you
0: there,
1: but, yeah, I mean, like you said with Gilito, he really seems to have found his groove. A 2.41 ERA and 6 starts in May. And then if you take out that one bad outing on Patriots Day in Boston and I think we talked the night of that that game, um, he just looked like he wasn't awake and he allowed like eight eight earned runs in the first inning. Um, but if you take a, a, out that, you know, blow up outing, he's having the season you'd expect, like t- totally. So Dylan Cease, too, I've been really impressed by. ERA is down to 2.98. K per nine is up to 11.6. So, yeah, I'll say it again. I think the White Sox are going to run away with the AL Central. And, you know, that might already be starting. They're the only team in the division with a positive run differential at plus 80. The Indians are minus 7. Royals, minus 19. Twins, minus 21. Tigers, minus 55. So, I think it's smooth sailing for your White Sox. But those are famous last words in baseball fandom. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of seasons still left, uh, but I'm really satisfied with what I've seen uh, from the team uh, thus far.
1: Credit to Tony La Russa, right?
2: <laughs> sure, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So at number four, you have the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, Last week they were number two. So I'm not falling too far. Uh, So I did catch the game uh, last night against your Cardinals um, and and definitely not because Jack Flaherty was pitching, uh, but Gavin Lux hit two home runs. Uh, let see. Also, too, um, Max Muncy also had a really fantastic May, too. Uh, yeah. Chris Taylor also just really had a fantastic game. Um, yeah, just really clutch hitting when they need it the most, which I think is super important.
1: Yeah, lost three of four to the Giants over the weekend, but they had been on a really nice run before that. And again, yeah, I took care of my Cardinals nine to four on Monday night. Cody Ballinger's back, uh, activated off the IL on Saturday after missing around 45 games with a hairline fracture in his left calf. Uh, Tony Gonsolin is about ready to join the rotation. He has one more minor league rehab start scheduled for Thursday. And I think this team is just its about ready to go on another long run, long winning streak. Um, Gonsolin should definitely be stashed on fantasy rosters now with a clear path to a long-term rotation spot um, after Dustin May needed Tommy John surgery. It looks like Gonsolin's season debut will be next Tuesday or Wednesday at Pittsburgh, so an easy matchup right out of the gate. Gonsolin has a 2.60 ERA, 0.92 whip, 8.6 K per nine, and 86 and two-thirds career major league innings. I think just a really underrated pitcher in general and is now going to be treated like a traditional starter, it seems like, uh, the rest of the way for Los Angeles. Coming off a shoulder issue, but it was only inflammation and the Dodgers have been as careful as that as they could be with it. Um, So get him stashed in fantasy leagues.
2: So at number five, still going strong. Uh, I feel as if they're an evergreen. uh, They they make an evergreen appearance in your rankings, in your top five.
1: The Boston
2: Red Sox. Uh, So they lost yesterday. Um, It was a tough day uh, for Red Sox bats. Uh, but uh, one player that stood out is Alex Verdugo uh so he's have a he's had a really strong uh, stretch over his last 12 games so he's hitting 342 with three homers and eight RBI uh, he's also raised his batting average 14 points over those games up to 287
1: now yeah i mean they dropped from number number 4 to number 5 um i've kind of slowly been trying to inch them out of my top 5 i mean n- n- nothing intentional but um, yeah, that was a rough 11 2 loss to the, to the Astros on Memorial Day. They've won seven of the last 10 games, that we've even factoring in that loss. They have a three game lead on the top American League wild card spot if it's not too early to sneak a peek at the wild card standings. Um, I'd be, I'm a little worried about Eduardo Rodriguez. He pitched so promisingly in April, uh, coming off that bout with Mayo Cardite myocarditis, uh, a, a heart condition brought on by COVID-19. But he's now given up 19 earned runs over his last four mm-hmm. starts, covering 19 and two-thirds innings. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to think how the Red Sox can maintain this hot start with a less-than-full-strength strength Erod, but they've done it now for at least the last four weeks, and maybe you could say the first third of the season. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this, and I don't want my – Right Sox or my Red Sox feel to be all negative because they've been a great story so far. But Alex Cora has to stop batting Enrique Hernandez at leadoff. He was 0 for four with a strikeout on Monday. Now batting two thirty nine with a two ninety two on base percentage through one hundred sixty eight plate appearances this year. Hernandez is a better player than those numbers would indicate, but the leadoff spot never made much sense for him. Um, I think he's got like a career three twelve on base percentage and. I don't really understand why Cora has stuck with it through the first two months. Sorry, everything on the Red Sox there was negative to uh, Red Sox fans, but I'm just confused about a couple things.
2: <laughs> I added the positive spot, so don't worry. There yeah. go.
0: <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.
3: Life is a highway and on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches, but there's only one Met Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal. If you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
2: All right. So now let's go ahead and get into your biggest risers. Uh, so teams that are certainly a uh, leapfrogging over others, making some strides. So at number six, uh, so this is your top six, I suppose. Uh, the, you, you have the San Francisco Giants. Last week, they were at number nine. So currently their first place in the NL West. Uh, Kevin Gausman has, continues to have a really great year. Uh, so the Giants are currently second in the majors with 78 home runs this year. Uh, they've also hit at least uh, two homers in six consecutive games uh, going into Tuesday. Uh, so this is their their longest streak uh, since uh, July 24th through 29th of 2001, which was only five years ago, right? 2001 was five years ago.
1: That sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, beyond the, the 6-1 defeat of the Angels on Monday, I think the best news to come out of Memorial Day uh, for the Giants was that Kevin Gossman's MRI on his sore left hip turned up negative. Structural damage, yeah. I mean, he's been incredible, 6-0. and 1.40 ERA, 0.81 whip, 83 to 16 strikeout-to-walk ratio in 70 innings this year. Um, so he's expected to be able to make his next start uh, Saturday against the Cubs. Maybe they push it back to Sunday, um, but it doesn't sound like this hip issue is at all concerning. He went six scoreless innings Sunday in his last turn against the arch-rival Dodgers um, before exiting with that, that hip issue. So it seems like he's going to be all right. Johnny Cueto was awesome on Monday. Versus the Angels, seven innings of one run ball, five strikeouts, no walks. He's had some ups and downs this season, Cueto, uh, but an overall three point four five ERA, thirty six to six strikeout to walk in forty four and a third innings. That they'll take that at at age thirty five, especially given how much he struggled in two thousand twenty and two thousand nineteen with injuries. um, Everything's clicking for the the Giants. They're kind of like the Red Sox. I like having these two teams back to back where. I think it's going to collapse at some point, but it it hasn't yet. And we're getting to the point where maybe it's for real and maybe they can add at the trade deadline and like, you know, fill some, some issues on the roster, like handle it, handle those via trade. So I don't know. We'll see.
2: We'll see. Right. So moving on to number 11, you've got the Chicago Cubs last week. They were at number 14. So now they're, they are in sole possession of first place, Uh, In the NL Central, Uh, so both Chicago teams in first place of their respective divisions, uh, always really cool to see. So Uh, yeah, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, uh, two players in particular had really fantastic games yesterday on Memorial Day, Javi Baez and Patrick Wisdom, which is a really cool name. Uh, So they each launched uh, a pair of homers for the Cubs uh, to win over the Padres. Uh, So apparently that this made made the Cubs the first team in the majors uh, this season to have two games in which at least two players uh, had a multi homer showing. So uh, that also happened on April 17th against the Braves, uh, where Chris Bryan and Wilson Contreras uh, also had a a, a two homer uh, show out. So, uh, yeah, really cool to see. Perhaps not so much uh, for your Cardinals. But, uh, yeah, uh, w- w- what is working for the Cubs right now?
1: Yeah, I actually bumped the Cubs up to 10. You had them at 11 because I, I put them over the Cardinals because I was kind of waiting for this – is, this is the um, advanced methodology that goes into my Power Rankings. I was waiting to see if the Cardinals would win or lose against the Dodgers on Monday night, and they lost. Um, okay. so, so, yeah, the Cubs are a half game up on the NL central. And I, I think people would call me a Homer if I had the Cardinals still ranked ahead of them. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what, what's, what's going right for the Cubs. It's that Baez, Bryant, Rizzo and Contreras, that position player core is all intact or they were shopping them over the winter. Uh, Maybe they shopped them again this spring, but again, they're in first place now, at least by half game. And it's really the Cubs pitching staff, actually. Like they finished May with a 2.52 combined ERA. That's the lowest combined team ERA in the major leagues for that month. Advert Azalei has really come on. Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies have been better. Cole Stewart looked good Monday in a season debut. They signed him to a minor league contract or not a minor league contract, a major league contract. Like a, I think it was one year, $700,000. So just above the major league minimum over the winter. And I, I found that move confusing, but he's a former top four draft pick, um, a lot of talent and has shown some flashes of, of being a, a legit major league starter, or at least a major league reliever. And it looks like they're going to use him out of the rotation. I think this team can contend in the NL central. Anyone can contend in the NL central. And if the front office wants to improve at the trade deadline instead of continuing to shop Brian or Baez or or Rizzo or Contreras. Um, Yeah. I mean, they could do it. And it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of keep the band together and and make one last run at it. Like, why not? I think uh, Cubs fans are a little bit mad at the front office and ownership for kind of ending this dynasty before it needed to end. Um, So maybe as a little uh, thank you to the fans or, or something to that effect, like, all right, we're going to add some pieces at the trade deadline and we're going to make a run at this. And maybe that would ingratiate them to that fan base a little bit more.
2: Yeah. At at this point, the NL central is still anyone's division. Um, Any division is still anyone's division. Uh, It's only June. Uh, Dang. So going on to uh, your next big riser, uh, you have the Detroit Tigers. Last week, they were at number 30. uh, This week, they were at number 26. Uh, So yeah, they've had a couple of interesting games. Uh, They swept the Yankees. So uh, Jonathan Scope has been performing quite strongly at the plate. So on Monday, he went two for four with an RBI single. So he's hit safely in nine of his last 10 games and is hitting 368, including two home runs and four RBI during that stretch.
1: Yeah. We don't often talk about the Tigers on this show since we've switched to just talking about a handful of teams, but yeah, staged that three game weekend sweep of the Tigers. They secured their first winning month since early 2018. They wound up going 14 and 13 in May. Um, most of the credit goes to the young starting rotation. Matthew Boyd, Casey Mize, Spencer, Turnbull all have ERAs under 3.50 right now. And then um, there have been a lot of positives lately from 24-year-old left-hander Tarek Skubal. Um He has a 3.33 ERA, 39-9 to strikeout-to-walk ratio over his last five starts. Uh, Mize and Skubal and, and probably Turnbull should be part of the long-term picture there in Detroit. Really good to see those young guys making big strides. Turnbull with the no-hitter earlier this year and the lowest ERA of that group at 2.93. And then with Boyd, he's been talked about as a trade candidate for years, and now it looks like the Tigers might actually be able to get something substantial for him. He's got a 3.43 ERA, 47-15 uh, to 15 strikeout-to-walk ratio in 57 and two-thirds innings this year. He had a 6.71 ERA last year, 4.56 ERA over a much larger sample in 2019, um, so that's good for the rebuild, too, that Boyd can be flipped for prospects. And I'm I'm sure he will be probably next month.
2: All right. Let's go ahead and get to your biggest fallers. Uh, so at number nine, uh, we just finished uh, sort of talking about them. Uh, you've got the New York Yankees. Last week they were at uh, number five. So nine formerly five. So yeah, they just got swept by the Tigers, uh, but uh, there's a little bit of a concern with the offense here. So they've scored two runs or fewer in nine of their last 12 games. And this is the first time they've done so since drumroll, August, 1971. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Big, big old yikes there.
1: Yeah. I called them the surging Yankees in last week's column. So they're no longer the surging Yankees. They're the opposite of that. Uh, Lost two of three to the Blue Jays last week, got swept by the Tigers over the weekend. Lost 3-1 in Monday's series opener against Rich Hill and the Rays. Um, That's six losses in seven games, a current four-game losing streak. Corey Kluber, um, this is kind of old news by now, but he's probably going to be sidelined until August uh, due to a subscapularis muscle strain in his right shoulder and nailed that. Um, he threw a no hitter earlier, or on May nineteenth, just a couple of weeks ago, at a three point oh four ERA for the year. I think that's a big loss for this team. And then, you know, John Carlos Stanton's back from the IL. He spent two weeks there with a quad strain, which it's a short absence for Stanton these days, uh, relative to some other recent IL stints that come with a lot of lingering issues. But he's zero for twelve with eight strikeouts since being activated on Friday. I uh, heard some boos on Memorial Day at Yankee Stadium. Frustration mounting again in New York. Maybe an under radar under the radar thing is that Zach Britton began a minor league rehab assignment over the weekend at Double A Somerset. Could be back from that March elbow surgery in a week or so. Uh, he had a 1.90 ERA and 80 in the third innings for the Yankees between 2019 and 2020. So there is some bullpen help on the way. Um, I think the offense will come eventually if they need to add at the trade deadline. We know they're going to do that. I think the the Yankees will be fine, but um, definitely a season of peaks and valleys for them so far.
2: All righty. So moving on to your next big faller uh, at number 15 uh, are the Toronto blue Jays. So uh, I know for fallers, uh, The notes are usually negative, uh, but I am still fresh from my
1: Vladimir Guerrero Jr. research. Well, I I was just going to say, this is a situation where a team fell because I gave a boost to some others. Like They just sort of got leapfrogged by the Cubs and Brewers moving to the top 12 this week. Okay, so so,
2: so definitely uh, no hard feelings uh, towards the Blue Jays, uh, but... Uh, yeah, he had an awesome Monday last week. Uh, so he hit a, four, a colossal 461-foot solo shot in the fourth inning and also tied the game in the eighth with a two-run dinger. So, uh, yeah, it is his third multi-home run game of the season. Um, so as of right now, as of Tuesday morning, he's tied with the Adolis Garcia for the Major League lead with 16 dingers. And uh, he currently leads all of Major League Baseball with a uh, 1.6065 uh, OPS um, so, so yeah, uh, he, he's doing quite fantastically.
1: Yeah. They've won four of six last week. The blue Jays uh, on a, like a rainy road trip through the Bronx and Cleveland. I think there were a couple of rainouts and double headers in there. And now they stage another home opener of sorts on Tuesday night. I'm, I'm checking if that's accurate. Yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah. They're moving back to Buffalo at Salem field. Um, so I don't. I, one thing I, I noted, we had Scott Pianowski on DJ and my podcast on Thursday night. And one thing we were talking about is that Vlad Junior splits are kind of worth monitoring because as they leave that TD ballpark in Dunedin, Florida, which, uh, you know, is a pretty hitter friendly park um, with a lot of wind, he slashed 410, 521, 897 with 11 home runs and 28 RBIs in 21 games there. Um, batting 259, 362, 444 with five homers and 14 RBIs in 31 games everywhere else. I think he'll be fine. And Buffalo, that Salem field in Buffalo, was played very hitter-friendly last year, but Vlad Jr. was definitely comfortable in Florida. Um, Maybe not the best accommodations, it being like a a low-A stadium, but uh, I think he certainly liked to hit there, and it showed. Um, So I would just be – Expecting maybe a little regression at some point, but he's definitely here. Vlad Jr. has arrived.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, but uh, we'll see. So at number thirty, rounding out your fallers, and oh boy, uh, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, last week they were at twenty-eight. Uh, so yeah, kind of uh, yeah, kind of a sad story here. Uh, they are currently on a fourteen-game losing streak. So uh, they lost to Minnesota yesterday. Uh, So this is also the second longest losing streak in team history. Uh, They've only had two longer losing streaks uh, since uh, moving to Baltimore in 1954. Uh, They had a 21-game losing streak to open the 1988 season. Uh, And they had a 14-game skid in 1954. Uh, They also lost 13 games uh, in a row in September of 2009. So yeah, big ol' yikes here.
1: Yeah, and I guess maybe people don't realize, but this is a 121-year uh, history, this franchise, because they started as the St. Louis Browns before moving to Baltimore in 1954, and and that's when they had that, that previous 14-game losing streak, like you mentioned, and the 1988 team dropping 21 straight. Man, I, I mean, Trey Mancini is a really nice story. I'd like to just be able to focus on the positive. John Means, Cedric Mullins, too, but mostly everything else is bad right now. And, I mean, we kind of expected this, right? Like, they're, they're doing maybe the most aggressive tanking job out there, um, trying to build up prospect capital and, and you know, trying to do this, this rebuild. And I guess every tanking rebuilding operation needs a rock bottom, and I, I think we've found it for the Orioles. I have, I have nothing else to, to add. <laughs> um, we don't talk about teams that, that hit the 30 spot. Uh, very often, but um, sorry sorry to the Orioles. Alright, uh, I think I think we covered everything, right?
2: Yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: That'll do it for this week's Power Rankings show. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the Power Rankings column. Goes up every Tuesday on NBC Sports Edge. Rankings, observations on all 30 teams. Rate and review the Circling the Bases podcast. Any feedback is welcome. Uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Drew Silve. Janice is at Scuriosa. And peace out.
2: Peace.